0: Well, this is our last episode with Dr. Kathy Cook. I hope you listened to the first two as she has shared outstanding information and techniques that will help you mold your child to become a lifelong follower of Christ and be the very best version of what Christ has created them to be.
1: We all know that parenting is hard work and life can get busy. We've done the research to help you. So let's dig deep with Leanne Mancini and work together to help you raise strong Christian kids.
0: Welcome back, Dr. Kathy. We're so glad to have you on again on this three-part series, sharing all your wonderful wisdom and all your outstanding resources.
1: I am so happy to be here. Thank you, Leanne.
0: So today we're going to talk about no more perfect kids and resilient kids. So as parents, we can be very critical of how our children act and behave. We see their actions as a reflection of how we are parenting them, right? And so if our kids are often disobedient, we may feel somehow like we have failed. In your book, No More Perfect Kids, Love Your Kids for Who They Are, you speak about identifying and removing the perfection infection from our parenting.
1: So this is the book I wrote with Jill Savage. And it was, let me start by saying, Leanne, that it was a challenge to write because I come from enough of a background of perfectionism myself so I was confronted with, you know, reality as I was writing. And there were times that it was a real challenge. And, and yet people have said, thank you, thank you, thank you for the insights that are there. So I'm really, really grateful for that. So the first thing I would say about, you know, the perfection infection and kind of overcoming that is there's a difference between excellence and perfection. And I think excellence is appropriate. And we, we talk in the book about the difference between the two. Excellence allows for growth, you know, perfection doesn't. And there's so much more I could say. And I want to say to parents, I think our self-talk is really important as well as our verbalization to others. If we say to somebody, do your best, like Leanne, I've had so many kids say to me, Dr. Kathy, I don't know if I've done my best. How do I know if I've done my best? Like, what is my best? And they feel like they've done their best. And then somebody criticizes them. And now they're like, oh my gosh, it was my best. And it wasn't good enough. So now they're clearly not looking for my best. They're looking for perfection. So if we verbalize to ourselves and our self-talk and to somebody we love, do your best. Sometimes I think we should unpack that. I think sometimes we should define and explain that. Can you define what you think the best is to really protect children? Because some kids self-sabotage. They don't think they can be perfect. It scares them. So they make a lot of mistakes to lessen the pressure and to get dad or mom off of their back. So I think those are conversations to have. I'd also say that we have had a lot of readers of the book tell us that their childhood has very much affected the way that they parent. And this is chapter two in the book where we talk about how were you raised and how might that be showing up in the way that you're raising your children. So I want to say this. I think some of us need to forgive. Some of us need to look back and forgive. You know, Leanne, I think think you would agree that most parents are not intentionally horrible.
0: No, right, I agree. it's,
1: It's very rare that a parent would be intentionally a bad quote unquote parent. They're parenting with the best resources that they have out of their own brokenness. Then we look back 40 years or 30 years or 20 years and we're so critical. Well, our mom and dad didn't know then what we know now. They might not have been followers of Christ with the Holy Spirit's guidance, or there might have been their own issues. And so can we look back and forgive, even if they're not asking us to forgive them, right? That's mature. And Leanne, can we also look back and be grateful? So my brother and I were raised by imperfect, perfect parents, high standards. Our dad was a German engineer. He had a very high standard for behavior and for character and for excellence academically, athletically, musically. Uh, my grandfather was mayor of our city growing up, so we had a character standard of the multi-generational family. We were watched by the media, so we needed to quote-unquote be good. And Dave and I don't regret any of that. He has a PhD and a postdoctorate, which is two years after a PhD. He is world-renowned as a clinical chemist. He's traveled the world. He can read all my books. Leanne, I can't read the title of the article he writes. <laughs> <laughs> because it has these multi-syllabic words in it. But the point of all that is, why do Dave and I both have you know, a solid education, a meaningful, purposeful career, a dedicated relationship to our Lord and Savior, healthy families, because there was a high expectation set upon us when we were kids. So we don't regret it.
0: And I think it's great to set high standards for our children because if you set low standards, that's what they're going to aim for,
1: right? And you don't you don't beat yourself up over it, and you you don't even owe your kids an apology, in my opinion. You parented the best that you knew how in the moment that you were there as their parent. Now, can you implement things now because it's never too late? Yes, and praise God for that. Let me share five five ideas before we move on, Leanne, related to this idea that we might have standards that are maybe unfair for our kids, perfection, again, perfect is Jesus, right? So we have to allow our children to fall down and stand back up and and all those kinds of things. But here's what I want to say to you uh, as listeners. We need to grieve what isn't and accept what is. No one prayed for a kid on the spectrum. No one prayed for a kid with ADD. No one even prayed for a twice exceptional or a gifted and talented kid who knows more than you do and keeps you on your toes. I mean, all of these situations (laughs) are challenging. So we can grieve what isn't and accept what is. You might've wanted a boy, you got a girl. You might've wanted an athlete, you got an accountant. Whatever the situation is, because if you raise the children you wanted and not the children you have, they will think perfection is the only goal and they could collapse under the weight of trying to please you in a way that they are not designed to be. Now, as we grieve what isn't and accept what is, We also reject the lies and embrace the truth. We reject the lie. I know of a woman who has three daughters and just gave birth to a son. And her whole parenting journey, Leanne, she's been told, oh, good thing you have girls. You would never be a good boy, Mom. Wow. And she just gave birth to a boy. And her three daughters are are precious. She She loves them but she's been told by people she trusts, right? Oh, good thing you have girls. You would would not have been a good boy mom. Now she has a boy. Got to reject the lie and embrace the truth. And this is why we go to the word of God. And I love that about you. Your passion would be go to the word of God. What does God say about your situation, about you and your kids? And then the fifth component of this is work on what you can. So grieve what isn't, reject what is, Reject the lies in your own self-talk from the culture, if you will. Embrace the truth. I will learn to be a boy mom. Embrace the truth. I am capable. God has wired me. That person didn't know me well enough to say that about me. I will reject that lie. I will embrace the truth. And work on what you can. You know, in this case with this mom, you know, if you don't have a lot of experience with boys, talk to boy moms, right? But work on what you can work on so that you can be successful. If we envelop these five principles in our walking out of this thing called life, I think we become compassionate and I think we become less judgmental of ourselves and of others. And that's where perfection will then begin to dissipate and excellence rises.
0: I love that. It's all about educating ourselves and Mm -hmm. educating ourselves while we're educating our children, walking alongside them. Because that's where we're going to see. Oh well, there's a situation here that my child is involved in that I'm not sure how to handle. So I'm going to go ahead and educate myself, and and know that none of us are perfect. Because then that that just releases a lot of weight on your shoulders. And so your newest book, Resilient Kids: Raising Them to Embrace Life with Confidence. Can you tell us about this book? I'm very excited to hear about this. Resilient Kids is what we need in this world for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I mean, it really is the, it really is the answer to this perfection problem, right? So one of the reasons I chose to write this book was how much perfectionism we see in today's families, the expectation of young people to place upon themselves. And again, perfect isn't possible this side of heaven, and so we're constantly dissatisfied, we're constantly angry, we're constantly looking over our shoulder and questioning, you know, ourselves. And it's just not a, it's not healthy. So resiliency readily recovering from difficult circumstances, right? To readily recover from trauma, disappointment, discouragement. Back during the COVID crisis, I I did a high school graduation for some homeschooled kids, and I said to them, this is June of 2020, and I said to them, do not ever allow yourself to be defined as the quarantine generation. Don't let anybody ever call you the generation that lost out. You cannot define yourself by what you have not had. And I was just very concerned that we are potentially looking at generations of young people who are not going to know how to rise up and walk out their destiny because they feel like life has been so hard. And I don't envy the fact that young people, earlier than they should have maybe been exposed to trauma, have seen trauma and difficulty and discouragement. So that's why I'm writing the book or why I wrote the book. It's exciting that it's it's now out. So resiliency, readily recovering from trauma, difficulty, discouragement. You know what, Leanne, it's a choice. It is a choice to readily recover. It's a choice to stand up. The more often we choose resiliency, the greater the likelihood it becomes an ability, and then it becomes a part of our character. So you and I, we don't have to think about being resilient. We are resilient because we've chosen over time in all circumstances, for the most part, to rise up and and walk forward. And this is what I want for children. And I want this for adults who have not lived a resilient life, who have been defeated, who have been knocked down a lot by circumstances you know that we don't need to go into today, we can learn to choose resiliency, then it becomes an ability, then it becomes a part of character, and then everything changes. It, it results in growth. It results in problem solving. It results in better mental health. It's an antidote to a lot of the, the junk that's going on in the world. So I'm excited and appreciate a chance to talk about it a little bit.
0: Yeah, I'm excited too, because like you said, we all need to be resilient in in every area of life. There's so many things that are coming at us. The devil is just attacking us in every way, shape, or form in our homes, in our workplace, in our schools, and to be able to rise back up once you've been knocked down because he does knock us down. And so I think it's real important that l- earlier we teach children how to be resilient and how to bounce back and how to know that they can go forth in faith in Christ is the most important thing. they can they can conquer many things, and the world will tell them, "Oh, be all you can be. You can achieve you, you, you." And, and then when they fail, 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 they don't know what to do.
1: Oh, it's well stated, well stated. Yeah, I'm excited. I think it's going to have an effect on people. It's practical, like all of my books. I think it's insightful. and and I'll just say before we move on that I think one of the most important parts of the book, and and i I believe you agree with me is that I talk about spiritual resiliency. Like academic resiliency is important. A kid who you know, doesn't do well on a, on a creative writing paper has to write again. You know, physical resiliency is important. A kid who gets cut from a soccer team, you know, you don't want that kid to never try to play soccer ever again. Those things matter. But spiritual resiliency, where we readily recover from disappointment of the church or this idea that God has disappointed us. You know, do we pray again? You know, do people pray they don't get their way so then they give up on God and they decide that God doesn't love them? If a youth pastor doesn't remember your name, do you give up on youth pastors? If the Bible is boring, if you fell asleep while you were praying, do you decide? I mean, right? So resiliency in our relationship with the God of the Bible and his church matters more than anything else, how to not give up. and So I I end the book with a chapter about what I think children need to understand so that they will have, if you will, a long-suffering view of God and not give up quickly on, on him.
0: Oh, I love it just love that book. So where can people hear your wisdom and your humor at a live event? If, if you've not heard Dr. Kathy speak, you need to, you will be entertained <laughs> and educated at the same time.
1: Oh, Leanne, you're so generous. Thank you so much. Well, let me say first that our, our website, celebratekids.com uh, does have my speaking calendar on it. We have a relatively new website that now does include that. And I'm excited about that. I'll be in Charlotte, North Carolina at the end of October for a Christian worldview conference at a church and a Christian school, talking to students and parents and people in the community. And I'll be in the Philadelphia area on November 4th doing the same thing, doing a Christian worldview conference for parents and for the community. So those are just some of the the things I thought of that are kind of open to the public.
0: And if you would love to have Dr. Kathy speak at an event, please check out CelebrateKids.com and contact them and they will... You know, see if it can be in her schedule and it can be done because she is a blessing, a blessing to many, and you won't regret having her.
1: Well, man, thank you. And thank you for promoting my books. You know, thank you for promoting my wisdom. I really appreciate that. You know, a lot of people, it means a lot to me that you trust my perspective and, you know, for your listeners to find out about my books is great because I don't, I don't write because it's fun. I write to be influential. And so thank you for promoting. Yeah, I just want to, again, just encourage people to choose something to work on. Don't try to do too much too soon because it won't work and you'll blame us. And we don't <laughs> want that to happen.
0: Yeah. We want no mom guilt or frustration, please. Amen. Well, thank you, Dr. Kathy Cook, for being on the show. And this is how we all work together to raise strong Christian kids.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.